This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. So you may have noticed from the title of the, the few lessons we'll be looking at this month. Uh, next month starting our summer series, which doesn't really seem to be possible. We always have a summer series June through August on Wednesday nights, and it doesn't seem possible that it's just right around the corner. Uh, but before that, or during that time, we also have VBS coming up. And so we know that we have a lot of things going on that have, uh, some ways you might say, snuck up on us. And I was, I came up with this lesson idea, really kind of stemmed off the Devo, and that Devo came up a couple of weeks ago. Um, but looking at this idea of is Satan, is Satan, rather, is Satan fighting against you? Now, we think about that idea of Satan fighting against us. We think about what that means. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been having have a time in your life where things are going well, and then all of a sudden everything just kind of seems to fall apart for various reasons, right? I mean, we could talk about some things that are no doubt very emotional, loss of life. We could talk about loss of job. We could talk about loss of, uh, of a loved one. Uh, and the list goes on and on and on, right? Plans for certain things just fall apart. Um, and no doubt, we think about times in our life when we it seems like for everything we're trying to do, that some things you might say are like there's a pushback, if that makes sense. We're trying to do what is good and right inside of God. We're trying to reach out to the lost, and we find ourselves being uh, discouraged. And I want us to think about for a moment, you think about that question, is Satan fighting against you? Now think in your mind for just a moment, in the Bible, do we have times, or do we have, you don't have to speak, say this out loud, we're going to get to this a little bit more. Do we find examples where it seems like Satan is fighting against certain individuals or fighting against a certain task that you might say in a more broad term that God is trying to accomplish. Do we find that throughout the Bible at various times? If you were to start from in the book of Genesis and moving forward, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about of an example of Satan fighting back against God or fighting against man? What's one of the first things that comes to your mind? Adam Eve, yes, the fall of man, right? The very beginning, not far removed, we don't know the exact timeline, but not far removed from creation. We have Eve at the tree, and we have Satan being represented there as a serpent, uh, fighting, it would seem very clearly, back against God and against godliness, right? I mean, doing what is good and right, pleasing to God is, is godliness. Uh, and again, the Satan move against man, and this is really our, our main focus, not just does Satan move, has Satan moved against man in the past, but does he move against man today? Now, before you answer that, and before anyone says anything, think about 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Remember those words of Peter there? <laughs> be sober, be vigilant, 
because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, whom he may devour. Now, it's important to notice here several things. One is, he says he's like a roaring lion. A lion, when he goes out to hunt, he's not going out and roaring the whole entire time. That's not very stealthy. Usually that's after or, you know, some other time. But he doesn't do that during a hunt because you're going to hear him very clearly. Some say you hear a lion from a mile away. But the idea there, you have a Satan, the adversary there, the devil, who is walking about like a roaring lion, like an angry, you might say a hungry, aggressive animal, right? Now, there's several things we want to notice here in verse 8. And then I want to spend just a lot of time on this because I would like to cover each lesson in, in, in each night. But if you look at verse 8, he says, be sober, be vigilant. What does sober mean? Now, we know today, sometimes when we say sober, we think not intoxicated. But in the strict Bible sense, what does the word sober mean? I like the, uh, the comparison uh, against all the words that you have up there that mm -hmm. distract us and all that. Mm -hmm. um, keeping all those things away would, would keep you uh, sober-minded. Right. Uh, the more you could uh, stay focused mm -hmm. and, and not be distracted Sober being clear-minded, right? That's the idea. Someone being intoxicated or, or really not just intoxicated, but who is on any type of drug or whatever that alters their mental state, they're not sober-minded, right? They're not clear-minded. Uh, even if it's innocent, someone coming home from a doctor and they've been on painkillers because of other procedure, they're not really clear-minded, are they? Well, here he says be sober or be clear-minded, putting away those things that distract us, right? Then he says, be vigilant. When you think of the word vigilant, what comes to your mind? Having guards up, keeping armor on. Right, being ready at all times, right? And I guarantee you from being very fresh from the world, yes, it's yeah. to keep armor on. And we always, everyone has to be vigilant, right? Because if we're not, that's when things sneak in and, and, and get you, right? It's like a soldier going, going out to battle, which that's what the Christian is called many times, the Christian soldier. If a soldier goes out to battle, they're not vigilant, not paying attention. They just kind of stare around and start looking. What's going to happen? They're going to get, right? They're not going to get, they're going to get hurt. And so to be vigilant means you're paying close attention. You're aware of what's going on around you. Now, in, in football and in a lot of sports, you hear the term, keep your head on a swivel, which means you're always looking around what's going on. Because if not, you're going to get plowed from one direction to the other. So be sober, be, be vigilant, so be clear-minded, be paying attention, be aware. And then he gives a reason why, right, in the next verse. Because your adversary, which we know an adversary is also another word for what? Right. Who is I mean, Satan is the adversary, but adversary is enemy, right? Satan is our enemy. Satan is our adversary. He said, mentions him here. Depending on what translation you're looking at, he says, your adversary, the devil, which of course is Satan, walks about. What does that mean? Walks about. Other other examples in the Bible where Satan is pictured, or even he himself says he is acting in such a way as if he's walking about. Where, where, where do we, what comes to your mind? What, where do we find that? Job. Job, right? Which to me, to me, the more you look at Job, the scarier it gets to me because I think there's a lot there that we 
don't really think about sometimes. You start considering some possible motives. You can get kind of scary. Just not even think about just Job himself, but why Satan does what he does, which we'll talk about later. But he is walking about, right? Meaning he is actively doing what? Is he pursuing people? Yeah. The devil walks about, he says, like a roaring lion, which means he is dangerous. You don't mess around with a lion. The zookeepers will tell you, you, you keep a distance. Uh, there's a reason there's a cage. There's a reason that Tulsa, there's a big pit between the cage and everything else. Uh, it's over there. He says, seeking whom he may devour. Devour is way to describe really to destroy something, right? If you devour something, it becomes no more. It becomes useless. Sometimes you go to, uh, uh, I remember when I was in school, going to a, a, a pizza buffet with a bunch of football players, and they devoured what was up there. They left nothing up there. That's what we're talking about, right? And that's the idea we find here. That he, Satan wants to devour. He wants to destroy you and make you completely useless. Like an empty buffet, he wants us to be useless, right? Seeking whom, may, whom he may devour. So, with that in mind, 1 Peter 5 and verse 8, and we know that Peter wasn't just talking to those whom this is addressed to. Does this apply to us today? Yeah. Which tells us that we should be clear-minded, which tells us that we should pay attention because our enemy, the devil, is walking about looking for whom he may devour or destroy or make become useless. Does an, can an unfaithful Christian be an active, productive part of the church? No. It's like a rotten piece of fruit at the, at the market. What's going to happen to it? Someone's going to throw it away because it's not, it's not any good. Nobody, nobody wants that. It's, gonna, it's not going to help anyone. And so that's what Satan don't wants us to become. He wants to take away our desire to be fruitful, to be of any help. Now, since we see here in verse 8 that Satan does move against man, and I think today we can see he does that in other ways today. Not, I don't think we can say, yes, he does, just like what he did to Job, he does to us today. I'm not saying that. But I think there are some very good ways, and there's times we can see where Satan definitely wants to distract us. Like we've mentioned earlier, that list, right? Now, here's the question, or one question. How? How does Satan come after us? Now, keep in mind, I'm not talking about some miraculous, we hear a voice in the night and it sounds like the boogeyman. That's not what we're talking about. But how does he come after us? Now, we're going to talk about when later, but how can he do that? Now, we listed several ways, and the big one during the Devo was he wants to distract us, right? Because we can't look right and look left at the same time. So he wants to distract us. Uh, some examples of how does he do that? Well, we listed several during the devotional, right? He's tracking us with uh, stress, with worry, with discord, with bitterness, with general unhappiness. And those things can come about for a host of reasons, right? Some things can happen and we just didn't see it coming, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here. But there are a lot of ways in which Satan can come against us. Now, without reusing some things I said, 
What are some ways that you think of that Satan can attack us or prevent us from accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish today? What are some ways he does that? Fear. Fear, definitely. Fear of a lot of things, right? Of anything. Fear of change, fear of poor health, fear of job change, and the list goes on and on. Fear, just in general, right? A whole lot of things we could be afraid of or become afraid of. What else? What about doubt? You know, think about that one word. That can be applied in so many different ways, just like fear can. Doubting what? Doubting what's going to happen tomorrow. Doubting your own safety. Doubting your own health. Doubting others. Doubting ourselves. And the list goes on and on. So fear, doubt, worry, stress. If you remember in Matthew chapter 6, there's, we find that, that key verse we all, all know so well. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things should be added to you. Previous to that, what was Christ telling people not to do? Do not worry, right? Worry, doubt, fear, all those are very closely related. And I think you can see really all that in Matthew 6 with do not worry about what you're going to eat, drink, and put on, all those types of things. Do not fear that you won't have those things. Don't doubt that you won't have those things. And that list can go on and on and on of ways in which Satan can, I say, move against us or act against us. Um, is it important to be aware of Satan moving against man? I say moving, not a miraculous hearing or seeing certain things. I remember growing up, I was friends with a kid whose grandmother said she saw a demon in her kitchen. I don't know what she saw, but she didn't see what she thought she saw. Even then, as a little kid, I was like, what is she talking about? Um, now, in the Bible, we find that is not we see, right? We do find where Satan definitely comes after man very pointedly. Job, we'll talk about a little bit later. I mean, he comes at him head on. I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. But, uh, you know, what's interesting about Job is during the whole thing, Satan never appeared to him, did he? No. In fact, the only one who speaks are Satan's, or sorry, are Job's friends, Satan's friends. Uh, probably Satan, in many ways, working through his friends. But aside from that, Job, God spoke to Job directly at the end of the book of Job, but Satan is not recorded as actually speaking towards anyone. Perhaps working through many different ways, we know the loss of possessions, loss of life in chapter 1, loss of health in chapter 2, and then working through his friends, I think very clearly through the remaining of the chapters. But Satan is never described as appearing or speaking to anyone, only God is seen as doing that. That's why I say when people say, well, I saw something, I'm sure you saw something or you think you did, but according to the Bible, it just doesn't match up. I'm not saying people are crazy, but people don't always see what they think they see, do they? Do you ever hear the phrase, you know, your eyes play tricks on you? You're going out to the woods at night, you hear things that aren't really there, you hear noises, you see things aren't there to trick the light. And so uh, a lot of things that people believe are happening that just are not the case. But is it important to be aware, uh, is it important to be aware of Satan moving against man? That he is against us. I mean, he's called our adversary for a reason, right? 
So to be aware is to be vigilant. So is it important that we are vigilant or aware of that? Yeah. First Peter chapter five, going back to verse eight, but reading through uh, this time, reading through verse 10, he says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We're going to come back to verse nine in a second. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace who, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, this is more the context of verse 8. Is yes, Satan, Satan is walking about. Yes, he's seeking whom he may devour. But what does verse 9 tell us? Resist him. Does the Bible ever tell us things, do things that we cannot do? No. You know, people today still argue, Noah could not have built the ark. Then why did God tell him to do it? Did he give him an impossible, impossible task to accomplish? No. Crossing the Red Sea on dry land. Is that, you know, why, why were they told to cross the sea and to do so? I know they're going to do so on dry land. Why were they allowed to do that? Because of God, anything is possible, right? God doesn't, you know, God told uh, Moses uh, what to do there, right? To raise, to raise his hand or his staff and the waters would part. And as soon as he lowered it, it came back down, right? Now, in our world today, we think raising a staff does nothing but raise a staff in the air. But when God told Moses what's going to happen, he did so because it was possible because of him. Noah built an ark, and we have various ideas about how that may have looked. It doesn't really matter, but he built an ark. And why? Because God gave him a task to do, and he did it. It was not impossible for him to do so. So it's not impossible for us to do things, in verse 9, if he doesn't give us an impossible task, that tells us that it's not impossible to resist him, because the him is a reference to Satan, Right? So we're not given impossible tasks. So when we are told to resist him, we're not, we are told to do something we are perfectly capable of doing. You realize that for all those chapters in the book of Job that he never once did, while not perfect, he never once did what Satan ultimately wanted him to do. He never cursed God. I mean, he did a lot of other things. He questioned, he doubted, he, he complained. I want to say doubt. He complained. He wanted questions answered, but he never cursed God. That's the one thing that he never did, which Satan wanted him to do, right? Why? Because he did resist him. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That's how we do it. Remain faithful to God. Remain steadfast in the faith, knowing that the what? Same sufferings. Isn't it nice to know that there are others who have gone through the same type of things that we are going through today? Those who have lost loved ones, we find that in the Bible. Those who face hardship at home, we find that in the Bible. I mean, I think about the sons of Eli a lot of times because he his sons are referred to as many times as the wicked sons of Eli. Eli wasn't wicked, but his sons most definitely were. And did he have to deal with that struggle? Well, yes. And we today have to deal with those things as well. Uh, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood, that's a reference to fellow Christians in the world. Others are going through the same type of things we're doing. 
Now, I mentioned this before, we are in the Marshall Islands. Uh, we were having lessons and we'd have questions afterwards. And there was one point where Brother Stacy Burks and I were upstairs and all the men were there and they were just asking questions. And what was interesting was it's the same type of questions you hear right here. And that tells me that man's the same everywhere. I mean, we should know that already, but it's just a reminder, they have the same concerns we do. Same exact things. Knowing, uh, he says here, uh, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, that he has given us grace, has given us the hope of eternal glory by our obedience to the gospel. After you have suffered a while, that's referencing enduring the temptations of the world and of Satan, right? Perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Those four things there. Perfect meaning what? You know what to expect. And established means you're not easily swayed. I believe it's Paul that also says we should not be swayed with every wind of doctrine, right? Strengthen meaning strengthen us through the word, strong, and settle you, meaning the idea there, at least in my mind, of peace and being okay with what is possibly coming down the road. You know, you think about the thing about hardships is eventually, at some point, they come to an end. You ever thought about that? Even if they last to your dying day, nothing that is a hardship in this earth truly lasts forever. It ends at some point. Either we find a solution or whatever it may be, or God answers our prayers and we come out of that, whatever that situation may be, we overcome it. But at some point, it comes to an end. Now, we think about whatever is going on in our life, we can know that even though things may be difficult and painful, that at some point, it's going to, going to stop. At some point, it's going to end. <clears throat> Any comments before I move on to this next point here? Okay. Why or when would Satan fight against you? Now, I have several things I'm going to put up here in a second, but it, when you think about why and when would Satan fight against you, what are some things you think about? The why or the when? What about right after um, it really catches up and gets big? What do you want to do? You want to put it out right away. And that's what I think about here with conversion. If Satan wants to squelch that fire, he wants that new convert to see the imperfections of others, to see others who are not perfect, the others in their faults, and have that fire come back down to just a little flicker. After conversion. What about when you begin a new work for the church or any spiritual related, spiritually related work? When we began, or well not when we began, it was here when I came here, but I think about the food pantry, and we have had, we have, we don't do that currently, not as we used to anyway. Do you think Satan wanted that to ultimately come to an end? I think in some ways, yeah, definitely. We think about other ways in which, in which we try to reach out to others. Satan definitely wants those things to fail. Now, I personally think we failed. I think we have a lot of spoiled people in our country, but I won't get off on that topic. But 
we think about any new work that we are involved in, either personally that we're trying to do to better ourselves spiritually or the church as a whole that has begun something or trying to maintain something, Satan wants to attack that, right? Because anything we do, especially when it, when it reaches beyond the walls of this building, we're reaching out to the lost. Well, Satan doesn't want that to happen. So he wants to attack us when we do those things, right? What about when you are physically weak? Does Satan attack you when you're physically weak? Now, we know there's a lot of reasons we can be physically weak. But sometimes, if we're not careful, can't we allow our mind to make it a lot worse than what it actually is? You know, I haven't done just a ton of visits to the hospital. COVID cutting a lot of that when can go and see people and all those types of things. But when people are sick and people are not feeling well, you know, I'll tell people all the time, I don't have the great words of wisdom. One of the things I tell people oftentimes is that one of the best things you can try to do is to be upbeat. Because when you start getting down, you start getting overly concerned, you become depressed, and to be honest, it gets a whole lot worse. It gets a whole lot worse. Uh, physically weak is definitely another way or another time which Satan attacks us. What about when you are alone or when you feel alone, right? I don't think it's always just when we're alone, but sometimes we just feel like we're alone, right? You know, you think about Job. You think Job felt alone? I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, you know, look at everything he endured. It's, it's really incredible to think about that he... He did as well as he did, considering that Satan was literally pressing down upon him. It's pretty impressive. He wasn't perfect. We know that. But he did not do what Satan ultimately wanted him to do. So when you're alone or when you just feel like you're alone, Satan, no doubt, is going to come walking around, right? Because he wants you to feel alone, even if you're not. What about an attack from an unexpected source? I found one of those this past week. I had a brother who messaged me and said, hey, there's this video on YouTube you need to listen to. It's about a minute three, I hear your voice. Okay. So I opened it up and I started listening to it. And sure enough, a man had took a, about a one-minute clip of my sermon and, and used it in his lesson. Because in my sermon, I was talking about if you want to go to heaven, you have to be part of the church. Well, he disagreed with that. He's supposed to be a member of the church. Supposed to be a preacher in the churches of Christ for 20 years. Anytime someone uses that phrase, though, I get nervous. And he used that to try to say, well, see, this needs to be needs to die off. He went on to say basically the church wasn't really that essential to salvation, which is false doctrine. What does that do? Well, I can tell you it bugged me. Still does a little bit. But doesn't that isn't that something that Satan wants to use to to attack you with from an unexpected source. That definitely was an unexpected source. He didn't just quote me. He quoted about three or four other guys as well. But that's an attack from an unexpected source, isn't it? It's a way for Satan to try to also to change your focus from where you want to be because you're thinking about one thing, and I was that morning, and so that came up, and for a little while I thought about something else. An attack from an unexpected source can definitely be a way in which Satan attacks us today some reminders for us now just to kind of do a very very quick recap we've answered the question does satan move against man today 
1 Peter 5, verse 8 tells us yes. Job tells us yes. Is it important to be aware of Satan moving against man? 1 Peter 5, verse 8 through 10 tells us, yeah, we need to be vigilant. We need to be sober-minded, be clear-minded, think about those things. We have seen why and when Satan would fight against you. We've seen five examples. Again, there could be a lot more we could look at. But I want us to consider a few more, a few reminders this evening as we get ready to, to wind down here. And the first one is that uh, we need to be aware of our adversary. Being aware of our adversary helps us prepare to overcome him. You know, no fighter, no soldier goes into war, into battle without preparing for what they expect to be coming, right? I mean, you think about even back in the days of the World War One and Two and those things when the draft was going on, even though they pulled people off the street, they didn't put a, a uniform on them to demonstrate the battle, did they? No, they went to basic training first. They prepared them for what was coming. And actually, what's interesting, if you look at it, soldiers, when they went to one place and accomplished their task, if they're going somewhere else, sometimes they would go through more training where they were at before they moved on to the next place. So the training actually never stopped. We're going over here. This is what's going to happen. We're going to do training for four weeks, and then we're moving over here, so you'll be ready for it. Why did they do that? So they could prepare for what was, for what was coming. Being aware of our adversary, which is the devil, helps us to, to uh, prepare to overcome him, helps us to prepare to resist him. Being aware of how our adversary may try or, or tempt you uh, will aid in overcoming these times. Being aware of when Satan may come around. Now, if we're, we want to be completely honest and, and, and think about these things, it's any time, really, right? If we're down, he wants to keep us down. If we are up and things are going well, he wants to pop that balloon and pull you down, right? And so anytime. So we have to be aware of our adversary and how he may try or tempt you. And when we're doing that, we, that will help us overcoming, to overcome these times. Be aware that Satan will attack when you are weak. No doubt he's going to attack any time, but when you're weak, that's the easiest time to just completely push you totally away, right? When you're feeling down for whatever reason, that's when he wants to push you out of the ring of battle for the Lord and keep you on the sideline. Uh, I did a lesson, I don't know, a long time ago, about that very idea, about being sidelined, being there are times that we can find ourselves outside of where we ought to be, not laboring for the Lord, not being faithful as we should be, and we find ourselves on the sideline. Well, Satan wants to do that very same thing. He wants to push us to the sideline and keep us uh, away from the battle and away from being uh, profitable for the Lord. First um, Peter chapter 5, this is going to be the final verse we're going to look at here this evening. I can tell you another way to... Satan fights against you as he kills your live video feed, which that did happen earlier when something flickered. But anyway, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 9. Uh, we know that Satan can be overcome, right? Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him. Now, resistance, you need to think about this for a second. Satan's always going to try to tempt us with things 
or put thoughts in our head that are going to be easily attainable for us, right? I mean, you don't typically see a Weight Watchers next to a pizza place, though sometimes you see them in questionable locations, right? Because it's hard to resist what's next door. But Satan doesn't tempt us or try us with things that would not be easy for us to engage in, right? Is it easy to stay home and not be with the church at various times? Yeah. I mean, any of us could have seen the storm and not saying it's wrong to stay home when it's dangerous on, the, on a Wednesday night. But sometimes that's how it begins, though, isn't it? You stay home once, then you stay home twice, and you say, you know what? That live feed sure is nice. That's not the thing to do, is it? He says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So resist him, and then he said, steadfast in the faith. Faithfulness is key to resisting Satan, isn't it? If we're going to overcome him, we have to be faithful to God. We have to know what, how to react to certain situations because if we're not careful, things will, pre will present themselves to us and we'll find ourselves saying things or thinking things like, I don't see the big, big problem with that. That's a very dangerous phrase to hear, isn't it? We hear ourselves saying it sometimes, I don't see the big deal. Or sometimes we say, well, it's just this once. But a lot of times, if we're not careful, that once turns into two, three, four, and then it just kind of spirals out of control. So again, some reminders for us this evening. Being aware of our adversary helps us prepare to overcome him. Being aware of how our adversary may try to tempt you or try you, and that will help us in overcoming these times of, of attack. And being aware that Satan will attack you when you are weak. The weakest link, there's a reason why it's called that. It's one most easily broken. And then also remembering that Satan can be overcome. He can be overcome. You know, in all reality, most things in life are not impossible. We can literally do pretty much anything when you set your mind to it. Not trying to sound like a motivational counselor from school, but... Anything you put your mind to, you can really accomplish, right? In some way, we can accomplish it, and we can, we can perform whatever that task may be. Now, when we come back next week, Lord willing, we'll look at how does Satan's actions against the Christian affect us and how. Not just how he attacks us, but what comes as a result of it. Because it's not enough just to say, yes, that Satan attacks us. But how does that affect us? And then um, we'll also look at later some, some ways the Christian can recognize the acts from Satan. And then finally, how is a Christian to respond to the attacks and attempts from Satan? We've touched on a few of these really this evening. Okay, are there any comments or questions this evening? <clears throat> 